Uh, if you don't have to be a football fan to know that a uh, young man by the name of Damar Hamlin uh, attempted a tackle on, uh, during the Monday night football game and uh, his heart stopped. And of course, paramedics and team trainers and, and whatnot uh, were there within seconds giving CPR and uh, they saved the man's life. Uh, so I just, what I really found interesting this past week, the number of people, and even that night on the field, but uh, commentators on, on live TV, turning to God and calling out for help. Amen. You find that interesting? It, regardless of, of, of what we may say or how we act, there's something deep within us that tells us that we're not all there is in this world that there's something greater than, than, than us. And of course, we're gathered here this morning. I uh, hope you're gathered here this morning because you believe that that's God. Uh, maybe you're here this morning because you're wondering if that's God. Uh, but either way, uh, we're, we're gonna look at his word this morning and it, I think it really fits with what we're uh, looking at. But I just wanna do a bit of a review. We, we kinda were, we've been on about a, since Thanksgiving really, on a break from the series that we were uh, in before then. And, and just really, even if we went back to last summer, we started in Genesis chapter one, the first three chapters of Genesis, and uh, we looked at several um, ideas and themes that start in the, in the first few chapters and really are carried throughout the rest of the Bible. So we looked at God, we looked at uh, the beginning of man, we looked at sin, uh, we looked at uh, redemption, some of the, the, the major ideas that are all uh, throughout scripture. Uh, and then when we finished that up, we started a, a journey through the Old Testament. We're calling it touch and go through the Old Testament because uh, the real purpose isn't to go through the whole Old Testament and get a complete overview, uh, but really just to stop in at select uh, passages and accounts and scriptures so that we kind of get a big picture. And there's a couple reasons why we're doing this. One. Uh, to just help us see how the Old Testament fits together. Sometimes it's confusing, when, especially when we read in some of the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Micah, and it's like, what are these guys talking about? Who are they railing against? Uh, what's going on? And, and so we're, try, we're gonna try to put it all together in a big picture. Uh, but also, and maybe more importantly, how does the Old Testament point us towards Christ? And Jesus is all through the Old Testament. Jesus doesn't just show up in the New Testament. He's there at creation. Uh, and, and much of the Old Testament scripture is pointing towards Jesus. Uh, God had a plan from the beginning, and Jesus is the focal point of that plan. So that's, that's what we're trying to highlight as we work through the Old Testament. Uh, and then third, I think this is something we're always trying to do, uh, and that through the study of his word, that our love for God, our love for his word, and our love for his world would increase as a result of our time together. So uh, we, went, we went through, as we went, worked through Genesis, we quickly realized that man's inclination is towards sin, towards selfishness, and rebellion against God. Uh, and at the same time, we observed God's justice and his mercy, and this is a continual theme throughout the Old Testament. Uh, sin is, is real and it has to be dealt with, and in the first chapters of Genesis, we see uh, that the consequence of sin is death in the world, something that we don't escape today. There's uh, death all around us. Um, and at the same time, we see God's mercy, God continually providing means for rescue and redemption for those who have 
fallen, those who would put their faith and trust in him. So one of the key figures of the book of Genesis is Abraham, and God visits Abraham and says to him in Genesis 12, one through three, uh, that uh, he would be a father of a great nation, that this nation would possess a great land, and that the world would be blessed uh, through this nation. And so uh, what started as an older man and his wife uh, has turned into a uh, people group of almost two, maybe upwards of two million people when we find them in the beginning chapters of Genesis. And we see that they are, uh, we refer to them as the people of Israel, uh, living in the land of Goshen, which is just really on the outskirts of, of Egypt, and they are enslaved uh, to the nation of Egypt with many burdens and struggles. So uh, l- let's start this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to be in anywhere from Genesis chapter 2 through chapter 10 this morning. So if you want to follow along, uh, you'll be able to uh, flip back and forth. Or uh, what do you do on your phone? You uh, swipe. Uh, but in Exodus chapter 2, uh, 23 through 25, it says this During those many days, Actually, before we, before we read the word, let's, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for uh, our opportunity that we have uh, to be here this morning. Uh, thank you for those who have been uh, here with us along this journey as we've, been, uh, as we've begun in the Old Testament and just looking to see uh, how you're at work and, and, uh, and how you're pointing us to Jesus all through your scripture. And so, Lord, as a result of our time here this morning, I pray that our eyes would be uh, open to who you are and how much you love us and how you have a plan for us as well. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So Exodus chapter two, we find the people of Israel uh, in the land of Egypt, and it says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham. That's the covenant that that he would be a great nation, they would possess a great land, and they would be a blessing to all people. Uh, So it was his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. And we talked about this as we studied this passage, that aren't we thankful that no matter what we face in our life today, God knows what we're dealing with. He hears our requests, he sees uh, the situation that we're in, and he knows what we need, and he invites us to call out to him, and he will be faithful to his promises. So I wanted to uh, mention these verses uh, because although the, the release of the people of Israel from the slavery they are in in Egypt is often looked at as God's judgment on Egypt, uh, really, it's more about the rescue and redemption of God's people than it is about God's judgment, although it includes uh, both. And so God's uh, action was to call Moses to lead the people. Moses was reluctant. He didn't want to go. We talked about how his brother came on board with him. Uh, and, and we have Moses and Aaron uh, ready to lead the people of Israel. So that's about where we were when we, when we, took, when we took a break. And I believe we read these verses. I'm not sure if we did, but we'll read them this morning. Uh, God told Moses as he was calling him to lead the people, this was not going to be a simple process. It's not just going to be uh, a walk in the park. And so uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 19, 
this is God speaking to Moses as God's calling him. He says to Moses, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people, that's the people of Israel, favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you will not go empty, but each woman, each woman shall ask her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold and jewelry and for clothing, and you'll put them on your sons and daughters, and you will plunder the Egyptians. So the, uh, the, the, uh, when God stretches out his hand and strikes Egypt with all the wonders that he will do, we call them the 10 plagues that God uh, administered to the land of Egypt. And so uh, that's kind of where we are this morning. We're not going to study them in detail, but, but I think it's important we, we uh, kind of look at this to, to ask the question, why did God do it this way? He could, God is God. He could have rescued and redeemed his people any way that he wanted to do, but he chose to do it using these 10 plagues. So just a quick review, since we're not uh, studying all 10 of them. Uh, the first three turned the Nile uh, into blood, and the water in the land turned into blood. Uh, then uh, the second plague was frogs coming out of the, the Nile and swarming the land. And then the third one was the dust of the earth turned into gnats. Ugh. Uh, so these first three plagues um, were experienced by all. They were experienced by the Egyptians. They were experienced by the Israelites. Then the next plague, starting with the um, fourth plague, uh, swarms of flies, uh, the death of the, the Egyptian livestock, boils on man and beast, uh, the devastating hail, the locusts that came in and devoured the crops, uh, pitch darkness over the land for three days, these, these next uh, six plagues affected only the Egyptians. The land of Goshen was spared. The, the Israelites did not endure those six plagues, uh, but the Egyptians did. And then the, the tenth and final plague, the, the death of the firstborn, um, applied to anyone who did not heed God's instructions. And that's really what we'll look at uh, more next week. So a good read for you this week, since we're not studying each one in detail, is Exodus chapter 7 through chapter 10, and, and, it, and it goes through all of the plagues. So I think there's a, there's a there, I guess the question I want to answer today is, why did God use 10 plagues uh, to bring his people out of slavery? And I think there's a couple of, of uh, probably a few reasons, and we'll look at a couple of them. And one is a common refrain, of, if, you, if you go and read through chapters 7 through 10, and we're going to look at the verses this morning, there's a common refrain in those uh, chapters uh, that goes something like this. It's a little bit different each time. For by this you will know that I am the Lord. For by this you will know that I am the Lord. God was making a statement about who was the one true God. Who's the God that created the world? Who's the God that sustains the world? Who's the God who keeps order in the world? Who is the one with unlimited power and might? Who's the one who is able to save? It's the God of Israel, not the gods of the Egyptians. And the Egyptians, like many people of, those, of that day, had many, many gods. They had a God for everything, a God for sunshine, a God, if they needed rain, they would pray to the God for rain. If they needed sunshine, they would pray to the God of the sun. If they needed uh, good crops, they would pray to the, they had a God for everything. 
Um, and so the, 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 the plagues that fell on the, uh, the land of Egypt were a direct challenge to the gods of Egypt that were supposed to be able to care for them in these areas. And each plague demonstrates the power of God over the Egyptians' God. So we'll look at a few of them. Exodus chapter 7, uh, verse 17. And this is when uh, the water turns to blood. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it will turn to blood. So this is, this is God turning the, the, the water to blood. Why did God do this? By this you will know that I am the Lord. Exodus 8, verses 9 and 10. Moses uh, said this uh, to Pharaoh. We're, this is just moving on to another plague. We're not studying each one. Uh, this is when the frogs came out of the, the, the water and swarmed the land. Moses said to Pharaoh, now uh, let me say this, the, the frogs had already come out and they had swarmed the land. And Moses was in a discussion with Pharaoh at this point. And Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs will be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. So really interesting, Moses and Pharaoh having a discussion and Moses says to Pharaoh, I'll pray to God and I'll ask him to put the frogs back in the, in the Nile. When would you like the frogs to go back? And that's when I'll pray for you. And oddly enough, Pharaoh doesn't say right now, he says in the morning, or he says tomorrow. Moses says, be it as you say, why? So that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. You believe that this morning? There is no one like the Lord our God. So if you read there later this week, you'll see that it happens, just Moses prayed, and that's when the frogs went back in the Nile. Um, further down in chapter 8, verse 22, uh, the flies are going to come. And Moses is talking to Pharaoh. He says, on that day, uh, excuse me, God's sp speaking to Moses. On that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of fly will, flies will be there. Why? That you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. God's making a statement that he is God, there is none like him. Whatever you are trusting in, whatever you are counting on, whatever you think you need or can do to take care of yourself and your family and, and, and everything else around you, it falls short. We're, we are in God's hands. Uh, I wanna look in Exodus chapter nine, we'll, uh, a little bit more depth, we'll look at this one. This is when the hail is coming uh, to the land of Egypt. The uh, Israelites are being protected in this one, but this one's a little interesting. Verse 13, Exodus chapter 9, the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself to, before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they shall serve me. Remember each time Moses, between each plague, Moses is asking Pharaoh, hey, let, let the people of Israel go. Pharaoh's saying, no, I won't do it. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and on your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. I'm doing this so that you will know that there is none like the God of heaven in all the earth. For by now I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence 
and you would have been cut off from the earth. God says, I could have, dist- I could have wiped you out if I wanted to. God's been merciful to them. They deserve to be wiped out. God's being merciful to them. And he says in verse 16, but for this purpose I have raised you up to show my power that my, that, so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself against my people and will not let them go. And we like to exalt ourselves instead of exalting the Lord. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will cause very heavy hail to fall, such as never been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, therefore, send, get your livestock and all that you have. Now, this is instruction from Moses that God is telling Moses to give to Pharaoh. The the people of Israel, they don't have to worry. They're not going to get any hail. So God's telling Moses, tell this to Pharaoh. He's warning them. I will send a very uh, heavy hail to fall, such as never been seen. So go send, get your livestock and all that you have in the field into safe shelter. For every man and beast that is in the field is not brought in will die when the hail falls on them. Is God about, all about judgment and vengeance and punishment, destruction? Some would have us believe that that's what the plagues are about. Then whoever feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh hurried his slaves and livestock into the houses. But whoever did not pay attention to the word of the Lord left his slaves and his livestock in the field. And of course, if if you continue to read the rest of the story, the hail came. The ones who heeded the word of the Lord and sought shelter were saved. Those who ignored the word of the Lord and rebellion, continued rebellion against him, died in the field. You know, I think sometimes we get in our minds the Egyptians were the bad guys, and the Israelites were the good guys, and God was intervening to help the good guys get away from the bad guys. I'm t- you know, I'm talking like on a four-year-old level, right? Good guys getting away from the bad guys. But who do, we, we read through this, I identify with the Egyptians in this passage. God's warning the Egyptians in the same way he's warning the people of Israel. His, his, yes, he was bringing judgment for those who would continue in rebellion against him, but he was also giving an opportunity to seek refuge and find rescue. It, uh, it reminds me of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's offer of rescue and God's offer of redemption is a genuine offer to all who would believe. God's not willing, he's not, he's not wanting, he's not wishing, he's not hoping that anyone would reject him, but that all would turn to him. And he makes a genuine offer. Uh, if we continue in, in, uh, in chapter 9, uh, this is the uh, um, conclusion of, this, of the hail plague. 
And uh, Moses is, is in front of Pharaoh now. He's talking with Pharaoh. The, the, he's going to call an, an end to the hail. And Moses said to Pharaoh, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail. Why? So that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Uh, one, one more in this, in, in chapter 10. Uh, the locusts, the locusts are, are, are going to come and the Lord is speaking to Moses and he's explaining what the next plague will be. And the Lord said to Moses, Exodus 10 verse 2, go, to Pharaoh, go into Pharaoh for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants that I, that I may show these signs of mine among them. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know I am the Lord. Yes, there is a consequence for sin. The ultimate consequence is death. Uh, Yes, God does deal with sin in the world. Yes, those who reject God will die, Bible teaches that they will, they will exist eternally in hell. Those are, those are real realities that we have to deal with, and yet at the same time, it's not God's desire, and so he offers rescue, he offers redemption. It's available to anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. And so this refrain is seen throughout the plagues, that you would know that I am the Lord. Okay, here's, I got two statements. This is where I need the amen, Mike. (laughs) Jesus is Lord. God is in control. Right, these are things that we know, right? These are things that we agree on. These are things that we are thankful for. Uh, and yet it can be hard. These can be hard things at the same time. Yesterday, um, I, was, I was up at the, the ER and met a, a gentleman in the waiting room. He was there uh, because his mother was in the ER. She was uh, very sick, uh, p- possibly not going to make it. And he made this statement to me. He said, I know that God is in control. And so we, we talked, had a discussion, and, and, I, and I prayed with him. Uh, and then he, he wanted to tell me a little bit about himself. And he, he was in a, uh, a car accident, I think it was two years ago, and it completely changed his life. Uh, of course, he was there, he's up and he's around. Uh, but the things he used to be able to do, he still couldn't do. The way that he served the Lord, the way that he felt like he was serving his community, Uh, His involvement in church all had declined as a result of this accident, and he was having a real, just just sharing with me, he's having a real hard time with the fact that he couldn't do, he wanted to do good things, he wanted to do things for the Lord, and he couldn't do them. So I just thought it was interesting, and I tried to encourage him that uh, Proverbs 69 says, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And I thought it was, this, as I was continuing to think about this message last night and this morning, he, he was 
comfortable with God being in control in the life of his sick, sick mother, but was having a hard time with the idea that God was in control of his life. And that the, the things that he wanted to do, he wasn't able to do. Maybe you've experienced that. You've assured a friend or a, a neighbor or a relative, fellow church member, when they're having a hard time, don't worry, Jesus still sits on the throne. God is in control, which we should do. But then when it's us, it's not so easy. When we're the one that's sick, when it's our loved one that's hurting, when maybe we've come up short on the, financially or, or haven't made the money we thought we were gonna do or we haven't, the plans that we made maybe weren't the plans that God had for us, is he still Lord? Is he still in control? Uh, scripture would tell us that he is. First John 4, 4 says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. First Corinthians 2, 9 says, but as it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of mine even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I tried to encourage this gentleman yesterday, maybe you're not doing the things that you thought you were doing, but it doesn't mean that God's not through with you yet and he doesn't have a plan for your life. Jesus assured his disciples this way before he went to the cross, I've said these things to you that you may have peace in the world, you will have tribulation. Make a note of that. We want to make all the notes of Jesus is Lord, Jesus loves me, Jesus has a plan for me. You will face tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world, Jesus says. So God did these plagues. One of the reasons I believe God sent the plagues was so that the world would know that there is a God in Israel. That the, that, the, that the people of Israel and the people of, Israel, the people of Egypt would know who was the Lord. But I think there's, there's, another, there's probably several other reasons. Another thing I wanted to highlight, uh, I think comes from the text as well, that God was making his people distinct. He was making the people of Israel distinct. And this, uh, we're going to... Look at just a couple of them. Exodus chapter eight, so just flip back a couple of chapters if you've been following along. Verse 22, and this is when uh, God was telling Moses about the, the, the swarms of flies that were coming. Uh, he says this, on that day, on the day that the flies come, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies will be there. That you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. We, we saw that verse already. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this will happen. Go to, go to Pharaoh and say, God's gonna make a distinction today. There's a difference between my people and your people. Uh, Exodus chapter nine, verse four, and this is dealing with the livestock. The Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel will die. 
Uh, Exodus chapter 11, verse seven. Not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. God's making a distinction. The first three plagues affected everyone. And then starting with the fourth plague, they were focused on the nation of Egypt. We, we, we talked about with the hail, there was, there's one sort of exception. The hail only fell in the land of Egypt, didn't fall in the land of Goshen where the people of Israel were. Uh, but God did pr- provide a way out during the hail for the people of, of Egypt. And we're gonna see in the last plague, uh, the death of the firstborn, which we're looking at more next week, uh, that God allows for the same thing. Whoever put the blood on the door would be saved, would be passed over. So we'll look at that more next week. But there's, there's a couple, so there's a couple of distinctions being made. One, the people of Israel were a special people to God. And we, as, we, as we looked at Abraham and his life and how did, how, did, uh, how did we go from Abraham and Sarah to the people of Israel, we saw that it wasn't because uh, Abraham was a saint that he decided to bless Abraham. It was despite of who Abraham was, God decided that his family would become this great nation. It wasn't because of their goodness, but because of God's favor, his grace and his mercy. But the second one is is also important. God shows grace and mercy to anyone who responds to him in faith. Anyone, Israelite, Egyptian, for you, for me, when we respond to him in faith, he shows grace and mercy. And that's what makes us distinct today. Not our goodness, there's nothing superior uh, about us. We're not morally... Uh, better than anyone else. We're not, uh, it's not because of our accomplishments, it's because we have received the grace and mercy of God when we put our faith and our trust in him. First Peter 2 verse 9 and 10 says this, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We receive mercy when we put our faith and trust in Jesus' work on the cross. We become citizens of heaven, but we're left here on earth, and this verse says we're left here on earth because we are heaven's ambassadors. Uh, In verse nine it said this, we are here uh, to proclaim the excellencies, the praises, the goodness, the virtues of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We become citizens of heaven, left here on this earth to represent our home country of heaven. God used the plagues to show that he is the Lord of the earth and that his people, the people of Israel, were distinct. And I think it's a reminder to us today, we need to remind ourselves today that Jesus is Lord. God is in control. Even when, it's, when life's not going the way we want it to go, he has a plan and a purpose. Now, if life's not going the way we want it to go because of our sin and our rebellion and uh, our selfishness, well, that's, we, we have something to do about that. But when we're dealing with life events that are outside of our control, 
We have to trust that God's at work. We have to trust that God has a plan. We have to trust that God's ways are not always our ways, but God's ways are good. The first nine plagues really set the stage for the tenth and final plague, which was the death of the firstborn. And I just want to read a couple of verses on that, uh, which we'll look at uh, next week. But Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, Lord said to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, at least weeks have passed, possibly months have taken place for these first nine plagues to take place, but at least, at the very least, weeks have taken, uh, it's taken weeks for all these first nine plagues to happen. Uh, And here's the 10th one, it will be the death of the firstborn. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It will be the first month of the year for you. God set the Jewish calendar to the Passover. What what God's about to do in these next days is so important that God said to the people of Israel, this is gonna be the first month of your year. What would have to happen that we would create a new year? This this, This Passover event is a big deal, and we're not, we're not gonna be talking about it today. We're gonna talk about, but I want, I want us to re- recognize and realize this is something very significant is about to happen. Verse 14 says this, uh, if you jump there with me. This day, Moses is, or excuse me, God has just explained to Moses what is about to happen and how, what they're supposed to do. And then he says this, this day shall be for you a memorial day and you'll keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You'll keep it as a feast. The Passover is an extremely important event in the Old Testament, but it's also an extremely important event for us today. And we're gonna look at that next week. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the Psalm says. Do we believe that he is Lord? Do we believe that he is in control? Do we believe that he is good? Amen. Amen. I didn't even have to prompt for that one. Thank you, Ray. Is it easy to believe that? Not always. Uh, in In the New Testament, uh, I believe it was a man with a sick son or a daughter uh, he said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Let's, let's believe in the promises of God this morning. Heavenly Father, thankful for your word, thankful for the truth that's in it. Lord, I pray that as we, we look at these um, 10 plagues that, uh, that you administered at a specific period of time, in the history of this world, when you were liberating your people. Lord, I pray that we see this as, uh, as an act of redemption, that th- these are acts of rescue, that even as you administer justice to a people that were in rebellion towards you, 
that you were extending your grace, you were extending your mercy, that you were providing a, a way for rescue for even for those who opposed you in rebellion. Lord, I, I think about us today and in so many ways we, uh, we choose our own way. Uh, we, when it's convenient, we uh, do what we want uh, instead of what you called us to do. And even today, Lord, you're calling us to repentance. You're calling us to say yes to you and no to ourselves. Lord, I just especially pray for, for those in here this morning who are just dealing with difficult uh, situations in life. Think of Rosemary who was in the, the car accident yesterday. Uh, Lord, we certainly pray for her recovery and the, the surgery uh, coming up this week. Lord, I'm sure she didn't plan this. And so, especially for her today, I pray that she would recognize you as Lord, that you're in control of this world, that you love her and have a plan for her. And I know, I, I hope anyways, that anyone in here this morning would encourage her to do the same thing. But Lord, I pray that we would have the grace to do exactly that in our own lives when we're questioning you, when we don't understand, uh, when, we, uh, when we can't see what the future holds, that we would trust uh, that you hold all things in your hands. Lord, I pray if there's uh, someone here this morning who has never in their lives called out to you for anything, that they would consider that there is a God in heaven who loves them. He's got a plan for them. Wants nothing more for them to call out to him this morning. So I, uh, my, my uh, encouragement to you this morning, if you're sitting here this morning and have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're not even sure what that might mean, that you wouldn't leave here this morning without considering that, without taking the step to uh, ask someone what that, might, what that means, what might be involved with that. Lord, I'm so thankful for your love and your care and your concern for each one of us that you truly are not willing that any should perish but that all would come to repentance. And so, Lord, if there's uh, someone here that needs to repent for the first, very first time and just call out to you as a sinner needing a Savior, they would do that. Maybe there's someone here that's walked with you for 40 or 50 or 60 years and just needs this morning to say, Lord, I'm still a sinner. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for sending your son. Help me to walk in your ways. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.